Good morning. Any other prayer requests before we go to the Lord in prayer? No? Yes. You know, it's kind of, I won't say scary, but it definitely caught my attention this week. The Middle East has been kind of quiet. And it's kind of like, you know, when you have small children and they get quiet. You know something's going on? The Middle East is like my small child. And uh, they've been kind of quiet this week. Nothing really has caught my attention throughout the week. And that, that kind of, I won't say troubles me, but that definitely catches my attention. Especially after what happened last weekend in Russia. Right. Russia. Russia. <laughs> we talk about everything in here. Yeah, we do. Mr. Parker. Yes. China's getting interesting. Um, oh. The fact that yeah, they are. Been interesting. Well, they're getting even more interesting because they're they're back in Putin, but they're back in Putin with the. Yeah, I think they I think they have a hidden agenda for oh, back in here. They always have a hidden agenda. Uh, there's always a reason. And it's not what they tell us. <laughs> but yeah, it's been kind of quiet in the Middle East this week. Again, there's been issues, but nothing that just whoa, wow, that one I need to tell the people about. So just uh, that's that caught my attention. Also, uh, I have a special request, and it's not health related this time. Believe it or not. Okay. I've done something that, well, other people would think it was stupid. Uh, now, that doesn't... Not tr- stupid, stupid. Stupid. Yeah, uh, there's a difference between really stupid and stupid. <laughs> stupid <laughs> is when it's really bad. Okay. I will die. Stupid is just when you're normal yeah. stupid. Yeah. But this is stupid. That's me normal. <laughs> I have started studying for a certification for my job. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to take the test... Oh, uh, end of August, September, October time frame, somewhere's in that line. It's on Department of Transportation, shipping materials. I've done it a lot on ground, done it a little bit in the air, never done it by ship, but i got to know it all. Ship, ground, air, United Nations, everything. So with the cognitive problems that I have, it's harder for me to study and retain information. So just remember me in your prayers. I would really like to uh, pass this exam. The company spent some money on it, and I would really like to pass. I'd hate to have to call my manager and go, uh, I did not pass. But this is a pass-fail. So it's either a P or an F when I get through. I think I should be, the moment I sit down to take the test, it's on the computer. I should know the answer when I get up from the computer. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's uh, been very interesting. I've done okay on the practice exams. I passed every one of them. This last one mm-hmm. did not pass as well as I'd like, but I still passed. Well, yeah. well if, you, if you pass it and all, maybe they'll send you a question. No, no, I, I don't. I don't want to go to Washington. Thank you very much. I just, I just want to have this certification. I took on this new role, and just the training alone for the certifications helping me in the new role. But I would like to have the certification. I'd like to pass for the fact that again, the company's paying some cash on this one. And I'd hate to have to go to them and go, uh. Okay. Remember us, um, 
Yes. Yes. I too need guidance. I'm waiting on the Lord on something myself. Remember those that watch regularly online, Miss Barbara is not on yet. She may not get on until later. But uh, just remember her and her family, her children, her grandchildren. And I got to see her in person when I went up to my brother-in-law's mother's funeral visitation the other day, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. She actually was there. It was, it was a pleasure to see her. It was great to, to get to sit down and chat with her a little bit. Any other request? Of course, remember the church. And the uh, our large percentage of the members are going to Alaska later this month, so remember them. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise, to honor, and study your name. Lord, we ask that you'll bless and that you'll move, that you'll anoint my lips as I endeavor to bring forth your message. You'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, God. You've heard the spoken, Lord, for the finances, for the medical, for the learning, Lord, for the situations that are developing all around us, God. We know that you are larger than the situation, Lord. We put our trust, we put our faith in you, God. Lord, we have belief, we have faith, but Lord, help our unbelief, Lord, in Jesus Sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are in the book of Zephaniah. Do you have a book? You do not have a book. What am I going to do with you? He has a Bible. A Bible, There you go. I said something one day about I, Swanee, and they, just the people around me just laughed. I said, oh, just sit down and shut up. It's Mountain Dog. <laughs> I was telling them what I said. You know the word I get made fun of the most for using? Pop instead of soda. And I'm like, of all the words I use, you would think that would not be the best. Everything's one. a Coke to me except yeah. for Mountain Dew. <laughs> what page are we on, sir? We are on page 6 of 14, verse 12. Oh, no, we haven't moved very much at all. <laughs> And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their leaves, that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Thomas Jefferson, being 4th of July, I have to bring up a TJ story. Thomas Jefferson, who wrote a large percentage of our founding documents, was what they called a deitist. He believed in God, but he believed that God got it started, and then he was hands-off, and he was just kind of sitting around watching, waiting for it to happen. Well, that's not the God we serve. And this verse has always reminded me of Thomas Jefferson and the deists. They're still deists to this day. They still believe there's a God, that he started all of this in motion, and now he's just kind of sitting by. Twiddling his thumbs, waiting for something to happen. That's not God. He's involved very much in our lives. Yes, he is. And one of these days I can tell you that uh, if I ever go and tell you everything that's happened or happened to me to allow me to come to North Carolina, you will understand that God had his hand in this whole process from day one. There were a lot of moving pieces from the time I was 18 until the time I was 21. 
And those moving pieces were not moving because of the direction I wanted them to go. They moved because that's the direction God wanted them to go, not me. God is very much in charge, and He is very much on the throne doing His business. Now this verse says, The Lord will not do good, nor neither will He do evil. God will not do evil. God will only do good. Now, a lot of times we think that God's doing evil to us because of things that happens in our life. Now he's jerking on <laughs> The thing is, we do that to ourselves. All good things come from God. That's right. And a large percentage of the evil that we face is because of our stupidity. Notice I said stupidity. That's even worse than being stupid. <laughs> Stupidity is the worst you can get. It's self-inflicted. And we like to, well, we have to blame somebody, so we blame God. He's an easy target. But He is not the issue. If we would listen to God to start, we wouldn't find ourselves trapped in the bear cave with the bear at the entrance. We wouldn't. God's telling us, don't go in that cave, you idiot. <laughs> oh, well, Lord, it's, it's starting to drizzle. I'm going to go in the cave. No, trust me, don't go in the cave. That's where the bumble monster lives. <laughs> and he's not a humble bumble. <laughs> but we don't listen. We go into that cave. Because we think, wow, it's an opening. It was made for us. The pastor's often said, and I agree with him completely, not all opportunities are from the Lord. Some of them are a test of Satan. You have to be willing to pray and ask God, what do you want me to do? And he will tell you exactly what he wants you to do. But then he gives you a free chance, free will, roll of the die, to see if well, you want to do it or not. But as Robert Frost said, the road less traveled, you can never go back and start again. Once you start down that path, you can't go back to the beginning. You can go back, but it's not the same. Now, I'm not saying you can't go back to God. Hear what I'm saying. When you start down a path, your direction changes. God's standing there going, hey, over here. And you can move to the right path. But you can never go and start back at those that point in your decision making. Well, I'm not going to make that decision. I'm going to make this other. No, you've already made that decision. You've traveled down that road. Mm-hmm. The road less traveled. Most of the time, the road less traveled looks worse than the beaten path. Because the beaten path... There's no briars, there's no trip hazards, there's nothing. So that's where a large percentage of the people are going. What does the Bible tell us? That the road is wide, leads to hell? And the road is narrow that leads to heaven? Why? Because more people are going towards the bad spot, toward hell, than they are going towards heaven. So just because the road looks easy might not be the right road. And some of the best times that my wife and I have had is when we have gotten off the beaten path. 
we've, well, I've gotten most lost. I'll just go ahead and tell you. And we've seen things that we wouldn't have seen any other way. I remember coming home from Texas, and I don't remember exactly where it was at, but the fuel gauge was saying, you better put some fuel in me or somebody's going to have to push. So I got off because there was an old, there was an old sign on the road saying gas. So I got off the road. That sign was from last century, I believe, because there was no gas station down that old road. But it was gorgeous. It was beautiful path. And it would have been a lot better if I hadn't have been sitting there going, dear God, don't let me run out of gas in this place. Me last week. <laughs> It shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men. God will search out everyone in Jerusalem who is worthy of being punished. Worthy of being punished. That's you and I at times. But that is definitely those that have never come to the cross of Calvary all the time. We are worthy of being punished. What does the Bible say? We earn death. The wages of sin is death. That's right. Wages are something you earn. So we earn death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We earn death, but God's given us life. And we don't have to do anything about it except accept what He did on the cross of Calvary. That's it. It's not complicated, but we try to make it complicated. Oh, you got to go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, prayer meeting. you got to tune into the podcast that everybody's doing now. No, you just serve the Lord. There are a lot of people in this world that can't make it to church for health reasons, financial reasons, or other reasons. Perhaps they are in a country that, well, church is outlawed. Coming to a neighborhood near you. Coming soon. Coming real soon. Yes. What will we do when it hits us? Well, I can't go to church, so I'm just going to live the way I want to. No. That's not the attitude that we should have. Yeah, coming to church is wonderful and it's great. But it doesn't save you. Memorizing the Bible doesn't save you. It's wonderful to do, but it doesn't save you. I, I knew a man personally. I knew two men that could quote it from cover to cover. But one guy I knew could quote it not only from cover to cover, but he could quote the Old Testament in the original Hebrew, and he could quote the New Testament in the original Greek. He had all three. He had KJV. He had the original. He was amazing to listen to. Very humble individual. You wouldn't know it looking at him. He didn't go around beating his chest. But he could quote it. He would open his Bible. And then he'd step around the podium. And he never went back. Our... Our overseer, general overseer, Reverend Tim Hill, can do that. If you've never seen him preach, he's amazing. He opens his Bible, and that's where it stays. When he was younger, he preached a service 
one time on uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit throughout the Scriptures. He started in Genesis. He finished in Revelation. He took a breath about Malachi. It was amazing. But there was nobody in that service that I th- could think of that could keep up with him flipping in third, five, four. You just finally just gave up. I can't keep up with Jason. So you just, you know, you just get, wow, I need this on recording so I can go back. But he's, he is amazing. But he's not the one I was thinking about. But this one individual, and I've only met one person that could do it. But he would tell you, that doesn't save you. What saves you is the cross of Calvary. What he did there. And you have to accept it. If you accept it, you're saved. Period. End of discussion. You don't have to do anything. But once you come saved, you need to live right. By living right, you're going to help people. That's not your works being manifested to get you saved. That's your salvation being manifested through your works. It's not by works lest any man should boast. But show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith with my works. Your faith, your salvation is manifested in the works that you do. Not because of the works. Settled on their lease. Now that's an interesting turn of a phrase. It means stagnant in their spirit. Now you say, well, that's even a more interesting turn of a phrase. But think about what it said. I will punish the men that are settled on their lees. I will punish the men that have become stagnant in their spirit. What is stagnant? Stagnant is still, but it's more than being still. It's corrupted. You don't drink from a stagnant pond. If you do, you ain't going to drink but once. (laughs) Promise you that. Because if you don't die, you'll wish you could. (laughs) But stagnant is building up of corruption, building up of stuff, building up of pollution. The Dead Sea doesn't have a whole lot of, it's got an inflow, but it doesn't have a whole lot of an outflow. And so all of the salt that's being washed in from the minerals around it doesn't have anywhere else to go, and the salinity just builds up. And they say you can't, you can't sink in the Dead Sea. It's got so much salt. Salt increases the buoyancy of the water. So they say that no one can sink. But I did hear just recently where a man got drowned in the Dead Sea. Now, I don't know how you do that if you can't sink. Maybe he's laying on his face and drinking it. I don't know. Maybe he did it on purpose. <laughs> you'd, uh, you'd have to, I think. But he drowned in the Dead Sea. Stagnant in their spirit. Lees are the dregs or the sediments that have settled in a wine cask or alcohol container if the cask is not disturbed. That's the lees. If you leave anything sitting long enough, the, the particles are going to precipitate out. They're going to settle to the bottom. The heavy stuff is going to go to the bottom. A couple of years ago, an environmental concern, you know, I'm an environmental person, so I have, I read a lot of environmental concerns. They wanted to dredge the Hudson River. Well, you go, well, 
Okay, there's nothing wrong there, right? No, there's serious wrong because all the bad stuff of the Hudson has settled out in the bottom. The PCBs and the cancer-causing chemicals has all settled out at the bottom of that river. And they were afraid when they dredged it to make it deeper so bigger ships could use it that they was going to stir all that stuff up again. Now, where do the PCBs come from? PCBs are polychlorinated biphenyls, and they are cancerous. They were outlawed in the 1970s. We don't manufacture PCBs. No one in the world manufactures PCBs anymore. That's how bad they are. They came from a factory up there, and they just dumped into the river. Oh, that's horrible. That's terrible. Well, at the time that they was doing it, there were no regs, regulations that said they couldn't. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't have a speed limit, what's your speed limit? As fast as you can go. The Audubon. There is no speed limit on the German Audubon. But I can promise you that when there's a wreck on the German Audubon, they don't call the ambulance. They just go ahead and call the coroner. Come and pick them up. There's another idiot that died. <laughs> Come and get them. We can't blame God for being us being stupid. The lees are the concentrated particulates that come out of suspension after a while. So they are settled on their lees. All the bad stuff is settled. They're there. They're living in it. They're wallowing in it. It's like a hog in the pig sty. You wash a hog, you put him back in his pen, he's going to wallow in the mud. They're not the brightest things in the world. But now, there is a reason why pigs do that. Their skins are kind of sensitive to bug bites, so they wallow in the mud to protect their skin. Elephant takes dirt baths because their skin is sensitive to bug bites, so they take dirt baths to keep the bugs off of them. I must be a lot of pig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like an elephant. If the wine sits on the dregs for too long, the wine is too strong to drink, and it's good for nothing. It's not worth saving. These individuals have settled. They've wallowed. They've, they've had that contamination in their life for so long They'll be punished for living that way. There is always consequences for our actions. Isaac, no, uh, Isaac Newton, I was about to say Isaac Osmanoff. I don't know why I was thinking of him. Isaac Newton told us for every action there's an opposite and equal reaction. So, you know, you push something, it's pushing back. It may not feel that way, but it's pushing back on you. So if you live in this, this situation, in this lifestyle... You'll have consequences. That's a given. All of us live in this world and there's consequences for our actions. I don't care if the politicians tell us there's not. There is consequences for your actions. Good consequences, bad consequences. But there's always consequences. Always. So he says, I will, I will search Jerusalem with candles. He's going to look. Now, back then, they didn't have flashlights. So he's going to use a candle. But he's searching, using a light. He's looking in all of the hidden corners. And he's finding the individuals that settled on their leaves, that settled in the pollution. 
settled in their corrupt lifestyle, and they're going to be punished. See, you may not think they're going to get punished here. Oh, the rich get richer, the poor gets poorer. Why, God, don't you do something about it? He will. They ain't going to like it. You cannot be too rich for God. There was an individual, and I won't name names, but there was an individual in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, to be precise, and he was a very rich individual. He owned a lot. He owned TV stations. He owned TV companies. He owned uh, sports teams. He owned a bunch. And he made the comment, I am too rich for God. I don't need God. i got all the money I'll ever need. He's had to sell his ball team. He's had to sell his TV stations. And he and his wife got a divorce. And to be honest with you, I think the old boy finally passed away, but he wasn't near as rich in the end as he was in, when he made that statement. Why did uh, John Lennon get shot? The guy that shot him said one of the reasons why he didn't like what Lennon said about the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. He had said that back in the 60s, mm-hmm. and he was shot in the, what, 80s? Yes. So, you know, I, I don't agree with that statement. I don't agree with him shooting him anyway, but uh, but Lennon did say the Beatles are more popular than Jesus Christ, and you know what? He was right. They were. Yeah. They really were. But there's consequences for your actions. You have to be careful what you say. And what you do. The one I always think of is the Titanic. Not even God himself. Can sink this ship. Mm-hmm. And took an iceberg. Yep. yep. And a stupid mm-hmm. captain. A stupid captain. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that, uh, that little submarine. Yeah. Done the same thing. I mean, in a way. In a way, he did. Yeah. He he was. He didn't yeah. out. Uh, right out. Say that God couldn't destroy the thing. But, but the way that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we God, pulled we pulled the remains of that sub up. Mm-hmm. You never know. I know. And you're no company's big too big to fail. No company is too big to fail. That's true. There's no country is. There's no big country to too fail. big to fail. Thank we you. see it happening all around us. That was, inter- that was interesting. Would you go and look and see if the young ones... I, there's somebody back there with... That was quite interesting. Sounds like all the things fell off. Mm-hmm. I hope nobody... What did you say? Nothing happened, right? Okay, well, we'll fix it later. Good. Four Nobody cabinet, cabinet failed. <laughs> we didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, we were checking to make sure nobody was in there. <laughs> Verse 13. Therefore, their goods shall become a booty, and their house a desolation. They shall also build houses, but not inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards, but not drink the wine thereof. Therefore, their goods shall become a booty. What's a booty? That's a pirate's treasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the enemy's treasure. Right. 
that somebody else is coming and taking your goods. It becomes their booty. It becomes their prize, their treasure, their whatever. All the inhabitants has have become the enemy's spoils. Everything that Judah has will become someone else's. The cherished items, the valuable items, and just everyday items will be long to someone else, in this case, the Babylonians. Babylonians were not nice people. Nebuchadnezzar was not a gracious host. I will say it that way. As a matter of fact, he was a pretty evil dude most of the time. But even God got tired of it and changed his way of thinking. The attack will be quick, excuse me, and be forceful. It will not be protracted, but will be decisive. <coughs> Babylon didn't believe in a protracted siege. They hit you with everything that they had all at the same time. They overrun you in just sheer numbers. It's kind of like in modern history. It's the Japanese. Now, I'm not saying the Japanese was as bad as the Babylonians. I'm not. But the Japanese believed in one way of fighting and one way only. Throw everything you had at it all at the same time until you have nothing left to throw. And they did that in World War II. They threw everything they could. Had we invaded Japan, it would have been from the moment we touched their border to the moment that we finished the war or got finished, it would have been horrible. Man-to-man, brutal fighting. They would not quit. As a matter of fact, one of the Japanese soldiers who lived in the jungles of one of the islands came out. Now, the word was declared over in 1945 he came out in the 50s still thinking he was fighting the war. He hadn't seen nobody else. Hadn't heard of anybody else, but he was still fighting when he came out of the jungle. And that might actually that might have been in the 70s when he came out of the jungle because he was there for a long time. They didn't give up until the two bombs was dropped and it was just so horrendous they decided that there would be a huge loss of life and they surrendered at that point but had it been hand to hand it would have been horrible and I knew an individual that was on a bus on his way to New York to get on a ship to go across the ocean to China and he was told, you will eat Thanksgiving dinner in China. We do not know where you will eat Christmas dinner. We were getting ready for an invasion in World War II in 1945. That individual was my father. He said when, they, when Japan finally surrendered, they was on a bus in Indiana heading to New York. And he said all of the soldiers 
jumping and hollering and shouting and screaming and having a good old time and, you know, just hoo-hooing and all. Nearly turned over the bus. They got to jumping around so much, the bus got to rocking. He said, thought the bus was going to turn over, Rob. But I was heading to New York to get on a, a ship to go to China. I was going to eat Thanksgiving dinner in China. They couldn't tell me where I would eat Christmas. So when I think of Babylon, I think of the Japanese. Again, not that they were that brutal. They were brutal. Don't get me wrong. They were brutal. But I think Babylon had them in brutality. Houses will start to be built, but the houses will be inhabited by the victors, not the original owners. The scribe here tells us the vineyards will be planted, but not drunk. This doesn't mean that the Babylons will attack during the harvest. What it does mean is that the inhabitants will go about their business as usual. The citizens of Judah will be about their business. Planning, building, planning, marrying, giving birth, having children, raising families, getting jobs, that kind of stuff. But they forgot to discuss their plans with God. And their plans will not come to fruition. Crops planted will not be enjoyed by the planters, but the victors will reap of the harvest and will benefit from the work that the inhabitants had started. A lot of people take that scripture and say, oh, well, they, the Babylonians attacked in, in harvest. We don't know when they attacked. Okay, well, we do, but it's not for certain. It's a range of time. What it's telling us, though, is that we all go to bed of a night making our plans for the next day, maybe the next week, maybe six months from now, two years from now. I mean, I'm at the end of my career with Duke. I've only got a handful of years left, maybe two handfuls at the most. I figure ten years at the most. That's the outside. So between now and ten years, I'm already starting to think about the 11th year the 12th year, the 15th year. But I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised my next breath. The next hour. We're not promised. No, we're not. Now, we heard the crash. We're, I'm going to use that as a, you know, an object lesson. My children say, Dad, you can use anything as an object lesson. We, we heard the crash, but we also saw young people walk back there now, I don't remember seeing the young people walk out. Okay, maybe they went out the door out there. I don't remember seeing them walk by us again. So they could have been back there, and that crash could have killed somebody. That crash was unexpected. We had a cabinet that fell off the wall. That was unexpected. None of us knew that that was going to happen. But what happened was we weighted those cabinets down too much, and the anchors let go. We can weigh our way, our life down too much. If we're not anchored on the rock in the cross of Calvary, we can weigh our lives down so much that we fall and we crash and we burn. And let me tell you, when you do that, you hurt other people. There is no such thing as just hurting yourself, especially if you're a family. You hurt all those around you. If you have friends, you hurt all those around you. I had a good friend in high school asked me to sell drugs. 
I've not spoken to that individual since. I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if he's still alive. He and I were good friends. He asked me to sell drugs, and I never spoke to him again. He hurt. He hurt me. He hurt those around him. I have no clue if he's still alive. I know he got married a little bit later. I wasn't invited to the wedding. Had I been invited to the wedding, I wouldn't have went. Because I'm still, I'm still hurt by that. That's been 40 plus years ago. That's older than some of you are in this room. But I am still hurt by that, that experience. And the reason? Well, I was a goody two-shoes. Nobody would believe I'd sell drugs. You're right, nobody would, because I ain't. Go away, leave me alone. Their goods shall become somebody else's treasure. Their houses, desolation, other people will live in it. They will plant vineyards, they will plant crops, other people will get the benefit from it. What are you doing in your life right now that other people's going to get the benefits for? Because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Now, if you're living for God, other people benefit from that, but that's a good thing. But let's say you're not living for God. Let's say you're just mamby-pamby, wishy-washy. You know, they always said Charlie Brown was wishy-washy. So let's say you're a Charlie Brown Christian. Mm-hmm. Not a Linus Christian, but a Charlie Brown Christian. The actions that you're doing now affect other people. Now, if you're Linus, the actions that you do now affect other people. Positive and good. Charlie Brown, negative and bad. Charlie Brown Christmas story. One of my favorite scenes in that entire movie, in that entire show, is when Linus walks out and tells the story of Christmas, the true story. And he starts from the book of Luke. Yes. But he does something that most people don't realize when he says, Fear not. For behold, I bring thee good tidings of great joy. When he says, fear not, he drops his security blanket. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He never picks it up again. Charles Schultz put that in there for a reason. Let go of what you're holding on to. Quit having your security blankets. Latch on to God. Fear not. For I bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Brother Robert, yes, ma'am. in all the years that I've uh, watched that <coughs> Charlie Brown Christmas, I had never noticed that till this past Christmas about him dropping the blanket. He drops the blanket. I said, wow, that's cool. That is. Thank you, Charles yeah. Schultz. Thank yeah. you, Lioness. Yeah. Now there was a lot of other things that was happening in the in that whole series in the comics and in real in the shows when they brought in Franklin they told Charles Schultz we're not going to publish it this was back in the you know 60s we're not going to publish you anymore he said I don't care don't right he goes oh my gosh you've got an African-American, a black 
kid, interacting with the wife. Oh my gosh, Charles said, I don't care, don't publish. I don't really care. Mr. Rogers, soaking his feet in the, pool, in the little wading pool. And the African-American come up. Say, hey, you want to soak your feet? The world went crazy. But let's face it, we're no different. The world did go crazy today. The world did go crazy. <laughs> we're no different. Maybe we're not racist. Maybe we're not prejudiced. Maybe we're not. But are we? I'm not saying us. I'm saying the world as a whole. There is still racism. There is still prejudice. And it's stupid. Oh, it's stupid. <laughs> the great day of the Lord, verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. The coming judgment for Judah was coming quickly. Within a short time, Babylon would take over the land. And after multiple sieges, Judah would literally cease to exist and would totally be under Babylon control. During this time, the bravest and mightiest warriors would weep for the destruction that had fallen on Judah and Israel. Sephaniah wrote that verse in the coming days of Judah. We can read that verse. For our coming days, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. God is coming back. Yes. Amen. Are we ready? The world as a whole? No, we are not. The world as a whole is not ready for the coming judgment. America is not ready for the coming judgment. I'll bring it even closer. <laughs> North Carolina is not ready for the coming judgment. Denver, North Carolina is not ready for the coming judgment. He's not come back yet. He's not coming back. Well, just because he hasn't doesn't mean that he won't. That's right. He, he promised us that he would come back. Has he ever lied to us? No. He's not lying now. That's right. He will come back. Yes. We've got to be prepared for that. And part of that preparation is telling others that God is coming back. Oh, they're going to laugh at you. They're going to laugh at you. Guess what? They laugh at me anyway. What do I care? You're looking at an individual really don't care what people think about it. I really stink and don't care. You like me, you don't like me. It's not up to me. It's up to you. It's up to you to like me. It's up to you to dislike me. If you like me, you like me. If you don't like me, I can't change that. That's on you. I don't care what you think. So I'm going to tell you about Christ. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. If you laugh, you laugh. I don't care. Won't be the first time somebody's laughed at me. Won't be the last. Do you love the Lord? Amen. God is good to us. And no matter what we do, God still loves us. Yeah, he, does. he loved us enough to send His begotten Son to this earth. And He loves us enough to take care of us, provide for us, and to listen to us. That's a biggie right there. He listens to us. I have got to admit, there are times when my grandchildren, my kids, my wife doesn't complain. 
But my kids, my grandchildren, they come to me and complain. I don't listen. There are times the kids will say stuff to me and I don't listen apparently because later I'll be like, why are you doing that? You said, said I, I could. could. I thought I was also doing 20 other things. Don't ask me stuff. Yeah. We will start back in the verse in verse 15. Actually, let's start back in verse 14 next week because we can go so much deeper in 14. We may not only get one verse next week. So we can get so much deeper. But do you have any other prayer requests before we go to the Lord? And I will scurry out. For those of you that don't know, on Sunday mornings when you see me scurrying out and getting in my car and driving away, I come back, okay? I go pick up Mr. Bender if he's available, and I bring him to church with me because I just... Does he have family? Yes, he does. I enjoy his company, though, so much that I'd love to go pick him up. Me and him just laugh like little two schoolboys coming down the road. So if you see me leave, it's not because I'm mad or I'm upset or I'm feeling bad. I'm going to pick up my buddy church if he's available some sundays he is and some sundays he isn't any prayer requests what's your prayer request buddy you had your hand up you don't know okay well we'll just remember you just pray for you daddy and we'll pray for you as well yes yes Parker. anybody with prayer request let's go to the lord prayer our most heavenly kind father lord we thank you for this day we thank you for your many blessings upon our life And, Lord, we ask that you'll move, that you'll touch the Lord, that you'll stretch forth your hand here this day. Lord, that you'll lift us up into your bosom. And, Lord, that you'll stretch forth your hand on the music and the musicians. Let it be especially pleasing unto your ears. Lord, anoint the lips of the messenger as he endeavors to bring forth your message. Lord, anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.